Well, it's it's winter in Kashmir. This broadcast will go out the 18th of January of 2021. And the winter has come to Kashmir. The Kashmir Valley is cold. And this is the toughest winter for Kashmir since partition of India some 75 years ago in 1948, when so many, many, many died. The Muslims of India are treated as second-class citizens, and those that bear the brunt of Morandi's racist policies, and I call them racist deliberately, it's a deliberate choice of words, terrible to, to regard one of that great nation. I mean, what was done by the British at the partition of India was so shameful, such a shameful little act to satisfy the vanity of one or two politicians, a shameful act by a weak man who was appointed on behalf of the British to to deal with that mess. And now we see the consequences. India has become, well, not quite as bad as China. In China, they have concentration camps for their Muslims 75 years after the Holocaust. But India has, well, runs China a close second. It's one of the most, the most oppressive nations in the world today. And what should we boycott Indian and Chinese goods? What do we do about this? The governments of the West take little or no interest. The governments of the Middle East take little or no interest. I mean, if, if in, in China, the cutting edge of oppression falls on the back of the Uyghurs. So in India, the cutting edge of oppression falls on the backs of the Kashmiris, it would seem to me. Can you say this kind of thing? I mean, in a world where uh, I was amazed to see, I'll I'll do a podcast about this at one point, but I was amazed to see the anti-Iranian activist uh, Potkin Azama, a good friend of ours, banned from Twitter for calling Donald Trump, Trump Jr. a racist. You can't call people a racist anymore. You can't call out. You can't name and shame. I don't know what's going on with this world and why. Anyway, I name and shame Mirandi of India. Terrible. What's happened to the Kashmiris? I mean, let's just remind ourselves, shall we? In August of... Uh, not this past year, but a year prior to that. So we've just gone, we're nearly 18 months since Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi revoked Article 370 of the Indian Constitution that previously gave Indian-administered Kashmir autonomous status. And at the time, the Indian government did this in combination with a complete blackout of communications going in and out of the valley. I depend on our interns and volunteers for the information I shared with you, and this is researched by a wonderful intern called Anish Murta, but uh, and, she, and she will write a blog of her own on the subject for the Next Century Foundation. But but the point is, I mean, it, it's stating the obvious. In the repeal of Article 370, you all know there were widespread arrests of anyone that India deemed as putting public safety in peril. This was done to intend to to keep violence in Kashmir to a minimum in the period after the repeal of Article 370. Widespread arrests. I remember meeting a boy who was a waiter when I was in Kashmir, this is years ago, with uh, Mayu Gohel, my great friend, best man at my wedding. MJ and I went to investigate the situation in Kashmir. With the cooperation of the Indian government, I remember meeting the waiter in our hotel who had been a boy who'd been tortured. And he explained to me there are no 
young men in Kashmir that have not been picked up and questioned by, or so he would have it, by the Indian military. And MJ said, that, well, that's un- understandable because of the extremism and militancy that goes on, fostered by Pakistan. Yes, and Pakistan has a huge burden of guilt to bear. The ISI, the Pakistan Intelligence Agency, has been for years fostering Kashmiri extremism. And that said, many young Kashmiri boys are picked up, arrested and tortured on baseless suspicions. And in reaction to this, they then go and join the militant groups, which are so ably stirred up by Pakistan. And then they're labeled terrorists by the government because they are terrorists now. Uh, So let's get this clear. Many people jailed for... Well, for minor suspicion, because all you need is a suspicion in order to jail somebody in Kashmir. The normal legal processes don't apply. People who have never even attended a protest, when released from jail, decide to then join protests and anti-government groups. So, effectively, both India and Pakistan are fostering extremism in Kashmir. This is the repercussion of widespread arrests. And now, what, 18 months after, nearly 18 months after Morendi's actions, violence and arrests in the valley of Kashmir continue. And very slowly, you're seeing the restoration of internet services for Kashmiris. These restrictions on on communications have been especially tough in Kashmir this winter because of the COVID-19 pandemic. People are kept in the dark, quite literally. I mean, very difficult in Kashmir now with COVID-19. According to statistics from the Jammu and Kashmir Health Ministry, just the basic statistics that published by them in 2018, there is one doctor for every 3,866 people in Jammu and Kashmir. So one doctor to 4,000, effectively. One to 4,000. Can you imagine that? And they're dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, big time. And meanwhile, New Delhi has intensified military operations in Kashmir. And this renewed violence has left scores homeless and everyone struggling to protect themselves against the pandemic. I mean, that applies to all of India. It's out of control. It's out of control in all India, but so don't get me wrong, it's not unique to Kashmir, but Kashmir is suffering, suffering at every level. The cold, and it's the most militarized region on the planet, and the COVID. But that's other things. I mean, this is the most miserable time in Kashmir. They're dealing with high levels of unemployment, a declining local economy. Obviously, isn't it? Well, I mean, statistics, what do statistics mean in anything? Kashmir's economy has suffered a loss of more than 5.3 billion US dollars since last year, according to somebody. Oh, where do they get these statistics? Somebody draws them up, calculates them on some basis or other. They're really arbitrary. But what is not arbitrary is that there are some half a million people unemployed in this small, modest region. And when the Indian government repealed Article 370 that gave Kashmir autonomy. It was embedded in the Indian constitution. I mean, this is an awful act. Indian government also removed Article 35A of the constitution that, or Clause 35A, 
and this this effectively removes the decision of who's a permanent resident from the Jammu and Kashmir government and therefore gives Indians from all over the country the right to live and work in Kashmir. So, uh, and, and the new domicile laws also state that those who've lived in Kashmir for 15 years or studied there for seven years can now have jobs and property. Well, seems fair enough, doesn't it? Home is where your heart is if you've lived there that long. But up till now, local Kashmiris have had very privileged status. I mean, they have birthed this, you could say. They could have behaved in a more civilized manner, and yeah, Pakistan has not helped them, has it? It's fermented extremism, fermented it on a day-by-day basis, and helped cause this miserable situation that's emerged now. I mean, Kashmiris depend on tourism. The Kashmir Valley... COVID-19 and one thing and another put an end to this. And the past few weeks have seen very heavy snowfall in the region. Led to the closure of many roads and highways. I mean, some trucks carrying essential items have, have been stuck on the highways because of the immense snowfall in the region. And we've already got rationing of LPG and petrol in parts of Kashmir. It's tough. Against this backdrop, in December, there were elections held in Kashmir. (sighs) Yeah, elections during a harsh winter with the COVID-19 pandemic. And this was the uh, first election, obviously, since the Indian government revoked Article 370 of the Indian Constitution. Kashmiris were hoping that at least this election would mark the beginning of better roads, water, electricity. Obviously, there were two main contenders in the Kashmir election. Narendra Modi's Bharatiya Janata Party, BJP, and the Gupta Alliance. Gupta Alliance is an alliance of regional parties that share the objective of reinstating Article 370. But the problem is that even, even though the Gupta Alliance group won the majority of seats in Parliament, they hold no legislative authority. They only have the task of promoting local development because their powers of the local government have been reduced. India's Prime Minister said the, these elections have further strengthened the roots of democracy. People certainly voted in Jammu and Kashmir, and thank God they did. They voted, voted and they waited hours to cast their vote, young and old. And of a total of 280 seats. The BJP won over 70 seats, mainly in Jammu, and three seats for the first time ever in Kashmir. Very interesting. Whereas the Gupkar Alliance, um, I should say, I'm pronouncing this wrong, the Gupkar Alliance, G-U-P-K-A-R Alliance, won more than 110 seats, 70 of those being in Kashmir. Now, the BJP came, the voting process was a victory for democracy. It was, in a sense. Kashmiris have not participated so wholeheartedly in the election for a while. And many opponents said that the Indian government had illegally detained the opposition candidates and so on. I mean, Jammu and Kashmir's turnout in these local elections. Well, if you look at nationally at India's local elections and 2018 to 2020, then January Kashmir's turnout at just over 50% is amongst the lowest 
in the nation where average turnouts is what around 70 percent in local elections but this time around it's high for Jammu and Kashmir I would argue yes the to be specific the overall turnout in Jammu and Kashmir this year was 51 percent but in Kashmir itself only 34 percent of those eligible to vote did so but it's double the amount that voted in previous parliamentary elections there's been a lot of intimidation in Kashmir are people who vote and people who stand for election. Ah, yeah, you buy India, you say? No, <laughs> militants sponsored by Pakistan. No, nobody's. Good. Well, the chances of reinstating Article 370 for Kashmir are slim, but there is hope now that Kashmiris are starting to embrace democracy. They have to work through the channels available to them, the democratic process, not through violence. Violence has failed. Pakistan encouraged violence in the valley, has failed to serve the people of Kashmir. And democracy, they might argue, has failed them too. Well, it's all you have. You have to use the tools that are available, and it is the only tool you have as a minority in this situation. It's the squeaky gate that gets oiled. Just have to do your best to make your voice heard, because India is intensely decent really as a country indians are decent people and this aberration that is this populist extremism i mean people would compare Morendi to trump it's not a fair comparison donald trump may be many things but uh, you may think that he's a foul-mouthed bigot but but he isn't i mean i don't think He's comparable to Morendi. And we do need we do, do need a better tomorrow for the people of India. And the people of India, for their own self-respect, need a better tomorrow. Based on inclusivity and love instead of hatred and ugly repression. It's not what India is about. And Kashmir is the bellwether against which you can measure the decency of the Indian government. Let's hope for better times ahead for India and for Kashmir.